And this legislation says it, and a couple of other pieces of legislation say it, that this war on drugs was a war on us and that it disproportionately impacted communities. The data's there. There's no reason that we aren't reconciling those communities out of general tax funds. Mm -hmm. If you got one, spark up. You listen to the Higher Learning Podcast with 420 NJ Events. Let's go! Happy 420, everybody. Welcome to the Higher Learning with 420 NJ Events Podcast. It's your boy, Brendan Robinson. Here, my brother, my co-founder, my dog, my CEO, Stan O'Coral. What's up, baby? Bro, what's going on, man? You know, bro, chilling like always, man. Chilling like always. Guys, listen, we got a special, special guest in the house tonight. Um, I'm talking about a businesswoman. I'm talking about someone that's worked with companies like Pepsi, Harley Davidson, uh, Miller Brewing Company. The list goes on. You know what I'm talking about? This woman is a cannabis consultant, the CEO of Budding Solutions. I'm talking about the one and only Miss Shanita Penny. Shanita, what's up? Hey. So, Mr. Shanita, we're going to jump right into it. You know, we always kind of kick the show off by asking our guests kind of how they got into the cannabis industry. But, you know, given your impressive background in business, I kind of wanted to kick it off by how you got into the business industry. And then we could kind of transition to how you you found cannabis. That's what's up. Um, My background, uh, undergraduate degree is in supply chain management. I interned with some of the best companies you mentioned, Harley Davidson, um, Miller Brewing Company, Polo. So I understood moving goods, manufacturing, um, not only just here, but globally. And it was, you know, always just a passion, right? I love cannabis. I looked at it the same way I look at, you know, Polo bringing in towels and throwing a horse on it. I look at it the same way, you know, Miller making beer, moving it across the country, getting it to wherever it's selling, wherever it's hot before it goes bad. Um, so I knew it was just a, a matter of time before it all came together for me. Nah, that's dope. That's dope. I guess my next question would just be, I mean, obviously the business piece you just mentioned, how'd you kind of train, like, what was your transition moment, if you will? going from the corporate industry over to cannabis? The the moment, it, so I had a false start. I remember in 2013, I was feeling, you know, really good. I was doing my consulting thing and I was like, oh, okay, let me check out this industry. I'm always learning a new industry, learning a new company. Let me see what they're doing in, in California in the cannabis industry. And I went out to, to Cali and I was like, oh, no, nah, this ain't it. I was like, you know, that 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 regular, consistent, that structure, all of it was just so much more attractive after I saw how people were like really, really, really trying to make something out of nothing in what would be, you know, a fully regulated market in 2018. But five years before that, it was just, you know, this very gray area of legalization in a medical market in, in the oldest medical market in the country. It was just, it was just not appealing, right? So then 2015, Maryland is like, okay, we're going to go with this medical cannabis thing. And I'm like, yeah, I know some people that want to get in. I'm going to get in where I fit in. And I really just built the teams, found subject matter experts, looked at what the application was requiring, put the government relations and the zoning pieces together. You know, really just Project managed my way into the industry. Nah, for real. That's dope. That's super dope. So, I mean, you mentioned 2015, you obviously launched your company, Budding, uh, Budding Solutions, which is an awesome name, by the way. Thank and, you. Uh, for sure. And I love the fact that you talk about how you use your project management skills to build out your cannabis company. 
What, if any, similarities do you see between working in corporate America and working in the cannabis industry? You know, for me, everything I learned along the way <coughs> came in handy, right? I worked for some of the best companies. You can't talk supply chain management or seed to sale, you know, without thinking about some of the organizations in the business world that that have, you know, really led the way. You know, I did work for Nissan. When you talk about just in time uh inventory management, that's a that's a that's a Nissan thing, right? When you talk about the quality standards, on-time delivery requirements that a company like Walmart has for everybody they deal with. Your sh- your truck ain't here on time, your stuff ain't on the shelves. If your stuff ain't on the shelves in Walmart, guess what? Ain't nobody buying it. 100%. So understanding and, and learning in those environments just made me, you know, want to bring that same uh, level of quality and service and 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 just dependable business to the cannabis industry. And it was absolutely necessary. Yeah, for sure. Listen, good business is good business everywhere, right? Yeah. Now that's awesome. So I mean, so that's 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 fantastic. So obviously, you know, you're a proud cannabis activist. You know, you've been doing it for for many. You were OG in this game. <laughs> um, I know that you've been fighting for national legalization, obviously, for quite some time as well. Um, so obviously, we just had the uh, Cannabis Administration and uh, Opportunity Act to drop. Um, I know. They could have thought of a better name, right? That's not catchy. <laughs> it don't roll off the tongue. <laughs> it's not provocative. <laughs> nah, nah, not at all. Not at all. But I'm, I'm just curious, right? Like, from your perspective, before we get national, federal legalization, what are some things we need to see? You know, ideally we would have decriminalized this across the country, right? Because the reality is, is even if we're not talking about business, we need to stop locking people up. Folks that have been locked up and have these records that are still checking the box and, and, and still not, you know, uh, eligible for this program and, and the SBA is looking at them like they don't have good moral character because they have a cannabis conviction on their Like, we got to clear all that up, right? But we also can't wait for federal legalization. So these states that have jumped out here and, and said, we're going to move, we're going to be, you know, um, experiments, we're going to, you know, get this right on the state level, we're not going to let the, the federal government hold us back. They need to keep that same energy as it relates to criminal justice reform and social equity. And I'm not just talking about throwing some licenses at folks for a few cannabis businesses. We've legalized this. We've, we have... We have accepted and we know everybody hasn't accepted it, but we know and this legislation says it and a couple of other pieces of legislation say it that this war on drugs was a war on us and that it disproportionately impacted communities. The data's there. There's no reason that we aren't reconciling those communities out of general tax funds. Mm -hmm. Well, why are we waiting for cannabis tax revenue to do something in a community that we know we decimated with a with a with an over a hyperactive police presence and then, you know, take it to the courts. Now we sentencing, you know, these folks, um, you know, at, 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 at multiples <laughs> for folks that have done have done worse. Um, compared to folks that have done worse. And so there are just so many things that we need to um, address in a real way today and, and not wait on federal legalization or, or, or Congress. You know, the other part of it is just, you know, keeping it real with ourselves. Mm-hmm. The government owns a patent on, you know, some of the medicinal uh, properties of, of cannabis, but this is still a Schedule One substance. Mm-hmm. 
it, it's contradictory. It's a slap in the face to all the people that, all the patients and all the, the people that have, you know, improved um, situations in their lives, you know, medical or, or whatever. Um, the people that are well because because they consume regularly and don't have, you know, an illness. Because thank God, you know, everybody ain't a patient, but we're all consuming this plant for wellness, right? And, and so all of those things and, and the energy and, and thoughts around, you know, this being medicinal always, this being um, a substance that should not be, you know, looked at as something more harmful than heroin. Um, we we got to get there, and it's got to happen in Congress, right across the aisle. It's got to happen in our churches. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen in our communities. You know, you got people that'll smell cannabis and judge, yep. not knowing. You know, I want to make sure that your community center is funded, that your your clinic in the community is funded, that y'all got grocery stores with healthy food and produce, you know, but you look at and I smell like a little bit of wit and I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, and dare I open my mouth and talk about legalization because it's, ugh, this girl just wants to get high. Mm-hmm. So we gotta, we gotta do all that. And I'm talking about us. We gotta get there because otherwise federal legalization happens, our communities aren't benefiting, we aren't a part of the industry, and people are still, like I said, living a half life in this country because at one point they had a cannabis charge or, or spent some time behind bars for that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, listen, everything you just said was the gospel system. You know what I mean? I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, my brother and I, we always talk about it, you know, both, you know, at different events and to each other, like, we need the same energy they had with the war on drugs as it, that same energy needs to go into social equity. Right. You know what I'm talking about? They spend $50 billion a year on the war on drugs. Right. But they want to pinch numbers when we talk about social equity. Man. And, and, and got all the delays and the, well, let's come back to that. And well, we can't do this. And, and the Constitution, our U.S. Constitution has been one of the biggest hurdles for these programs. 100%. Right, and, you know, you look at a city like Detroit where they were actually trying to waive fees, uh, give you access to city-owned property at a discount, um, it, hold a portion of the licenses for you know folks of the community, folks impacted, and and it gets you know shut down, mm-hmm. not of course. So you know, keeping that same energy would allow us to address the shortcomings of our constitution. Right, because if you could base a war on drugs on black and brown, you can base that recipro- You know that 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 uh, those reparations, mm-hmm. on black and brown. You, but you know, no, you're not gonna do that. No, not without, a, not without us getting involved. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Well, listen, I, I'm speaking of energy. I'm gonna switch gears for a second. I mean, you obviously are a very busy woman. Uh, I know you served some time as the president of the Minority uh, Cannabis Business Association. I was just wondering if you could talk a little, little bit about that experience and just what that was like serving in that role. It was very necessary, right? The Minority Cannabis Business Association launched um, a year after I was like in it. So I had gone through the application process in Maryland. I was moving into the Pennsylvania market, but I was living in Denver and you know, still trying to stay close to what was happening in DC. And when the Minority Cannabis Business Association launched, I was like, yes, these are my people. 
We gonna connect, and when they need me in Portland, I'm coming to Portland. When they when I need them in DC, they're coming to DC. And you know, it was amazing those three years because we showed up like that. You had something going on locally, you had something going on at just state level, and you needed us to come, you know, back you up, talk about what was going on in our market. We were there. But um the beauty in in that time is that you know, there just wasn't a voice talking about what we were talking about, mm-hmm. right? So you got elected officials that are like, well, I've never heard this. Well, tell me more and, and how can I be helpful? And it's like, okay, let's write some legislation. So now we're working with, you know, the, the small business committee to write legislation. And that, 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 that language has been included in, you know, PPP relief. It didn't pass, but we almost got SBA relief for the cannabis industry and eventually did get some businesses, you know, uh, the ability to access uh, some of those resources during the pandemic. Um, so the, the we wrote model legislation for social equity programs, um, you know, really just showing up whether it was in business, in advocacy and policy influencing or, or you know, lifestyle and culture. Because when you came to an MC, when you, when you came to an MCBA event, it's like, yeah, we're about the business, but you know, let's let's let our hair down. And if we hosting a uh, an educational event or a networking event or or we fundraising, we're gonna do it our way. We've had to step into their spaces for so long and and just be on that. Mm-hmm. But now, if we're gonna talk about a diverse industry, let's talk about inclusion and let us lead by example. So, you know, going out to the bay and connecting with you know, folks that were doing this work um, on the West Coast, Supernova Women and uh, Hood Incubator, um, finding M for MM in almost any city that we were going to. It's just, it's, it was just dope for us to to carve out a lane, but also very much show up in a way that was productive and, and, and you know, making some noise on the hill in a, in a real way. And then I've always told people, you know, the work continues. Mm-hmm. affiliation with organizations you know sometimes the time is limited um, you got to move on to keep the ball rolling um, for me it's all about passing you know a torch and then sometimes it's about lighting someone else's torch mm-hmm. um, and so I, I lit the torches of the folks that are still there they have found new folks and they're keeping that going but it was definitely um, an eye-opening experience it was a, a crash course in all things public policy, cannabis policy, and oh, by the way, there's racial equity that we always got to remind people of and and everything else. So um, yeah, I I encourage everyone who's thinking about getting into the industry to find a a vehicle, a platform, a a group that you can really lean on in terms of standing up for the things that are the real priority, right? Because as much as we talk about cannabis legalization and, and all of that, if we don't have voting rights, hello, black people, what we gonna do? So you you remember they always come to us and say, hey, help us with this. But where are they when it's time to stand up for everything else? Everything else that matters. Um, so yeah, shout out to MCBA. Yeah, shout them out, shout them out. I mean, look, you dropped so many gems there. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to pick apart. I, mean, look, I love the fact you mentioned the camaraderie, right? Because I think in this industry, that's just what makes the cannabis plant so beautiful. Right? It brings us all together, especially when it's, you know, a subculture or 
folks that have been through something together and they're coming together from different states and just being there for one another. That's awesome. And then you talk about the work. I think that's a big misconception in this industry is that you ain't gonna just come in here and smoke weed and have a good time. Like it's work, it's hard, grueling work. And I, and I love the fact that you bring that up because kind of going to the, the, the next thing you said, lighting the torch. You know, the majority of our followers are females, uh, minority females to be specific. Um, as someone who's see that. Some good looking brothers dropping <laughs> 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 we, we appreciate that. You know, but uh, you know, I, I, I was raised by a single black mother. I have, you know, we have nothing but respect for women in general, and we really want women, especially minority women, to get in this space. Just curious, what's some advice you would give someone, especially a, a, a minority woman, entering the cannabis industry? I mean, here's the thing: we go out every day no matter what industry we're in and we show up we deliver sometimes we don't get the credit we're always doing the heavy lifting we're always taking on the 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 burden of right making other people comfortable with our presence in their spaces right so you know i say show up in this space and and show up and take up some space be big be bold be who you are because the reality is is that there are so many opportunities and you don't have to be anything but yourself. This industry, this movement, even just the lifestyle and culture of it, it's, we are naturally going to be that. It, it, it comes from us. That's right. You know? So I I really encourage, you know, especially women that have, you know, already had some level of success, understand their value, to come in, come in here and do not do not let these people play with you when it comes to your talent. Um, and I mean that in a real way. People talk about equity, 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 and I'm talking about real equity. Mm-hmm. Like we are building an industry. Now, every organization is not gonna, you know, say, oh yeah, not only will I pay you this great salary, but I'm gonna give you equity or allow you to earn it. You know, that's not gonna be every cannabis organization because there are some that have hit a place where, and even when I came into the space in 2015, there were companies that were like, yeah, we're startups, but we, we, we're we good. Our cap table is full. Like, nah, <laughs> take your salary. Um, and that's that. But if you are a part of something and, and there's an opportunity, you should absolutely absolutely be be earning um, some equity because there's a lot of M&A happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you were a part of any of these medical operations on the East Coast that have been a part of the, the, the consolidation over the past year, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you can take six figures, right? Even, even if you get in that. <laughs> and it's not that many people getting it. Mm-hmm. But you can take Take that six figures or say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to work on this today and you're going to pay me. But I also want this piece over here because for me, I've already seen that successful exit. Mm-hmm. You know, I've already been a part of a number of these organizations and I've, I, I've been that person sitting back like, dang, boy, I ain't, I ain't do that math right. I didn't see that one. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it, it's about playing this. It's a long game. You got to play it smart. Um, but but I do. I encourage you to get in where you fit in. Bring your talent. Bring your your whole. Show up in your whole self. Your 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 authentic self, uh, because it's valuable. And you know, 
these companies are really saying a lot of good things. Oh, we want to we want to hire, you know, and, and, uh, and they love to hire black women. They love to hire black women to come in and do diversity work. Right. And you get in there and, and things don't go the way, you know, you tell them a couple of things, people don't like it. Now they're ready to fire you. They're making it hostile. Like, don't put yourself in those situations. Go where you're celebrated, valued. Um, we also have to, to be smart and stop coming in as, as the token. And I'm saying that, like, get your money and, and, and take care of yourself. But don't ever put yourself into a situation that then makes it harder for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because what we saw, especially on the East Coast for the last several years, oh, we trying to check the box on the diversity hires. Let me go grab a black woman. We checking off the woman and the black box. You know, oh, she's a vet. Like, oh. And, and then these women are discarded. And not that they haven't done any work because they will put you out there like a road show. Uh-huh. You know, let's go to talk to this legislator. Let me go talk to this city council. Come to this community event with. Now, when we see the, you know, licenses awarded or the businesses, the business has been acquired and these people are nowhere to be found, that 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 ain't good. It ain't good for you. It ain't good for us. That's real. That's you know, real. social equity licenses, people were just throwing, dangling little carrots in front of, of people. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that if you hadn't seen that kind of money before and you didn't understand the, the type of money and the time it takes to be successful in this space, that little bit of money looked good. Mm-hmm. Now you done blew through it. Mm-hmm. You know how we do. <laughs> um, now you done blew through it or something unforeseen happens. Like you got a lawsuit in LA that ties people up for months, but you got to pay rent mm-hmm. and on a business that's not generating any income. And then people are what? Uh, kind of just preyed upon at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody comes and says, oh, I'll help. I'll save you. I'm going to be your partner. Now they got most of the equity in your business. Yeah. Or you had already taken some money that then wants to, you know, things didn't work out. This larger company already had their business going and they're able to maintain during something like a lawsuit that's tying people up uh, while you're left, you know, drowning and then eventually don't exist anymore. So we got to be smart. We got to come in this game and we got to build. When you, when you, (laughs) when you get there, reach back. Like, it ain't no pick me. It ain't no, it can only be one. Like, it's lonely when you're the only one. Trust me, I've been there. It feels so good to walk into a room or, or go into a um, a conference and I'm actually learning from people that look like me because, you know, they're in this space now. Mm-hmm. And I ain't bigging myself up or MCBA or nothing, but I remember when we were cussing folks out when we had to and and and, you know, politicking when we had to and you know helping people understand why it couldn't just be a this one and you know I think that once people started seeing us showing up we in our authentic you know spaces and we are our authentic selves and now we're telling these stories people got cool with like taking a couple days off from work going to a city going to a conference going to an event going to somebody's dispensary and saying yo I'm trying to really do this Mm -hmm. so we have to be right what it is that we want um you know what might not have been there for ourselves we gotta be that for somebody else um and we just gotta show up and do it we only get a you know it's a small window Mm -hmm. and everybody's like oh I'm waiting for the perfect time or I don't wanna do this and I don't wanna do that like Man, I'm telling you, find your 
way. And sometimes it's playing in the background. Sometimes it's just investing in, you know, these black businesses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have the, the political connection, but you're not interested in this space. But you can make some introductions because you can believe that's how they get it done. Yep. But you got so many of us that have gotten into a place where we could be helpful to others and we turning our nose up at it. Oh, they smoking reefer. Like, stop judging. Straight up. It's, yep. it's, it's crazy out here. But yeah, man, to your... um. All these women, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to see you showing up as, as the lawyers and doctors and accountants and hairstylists and, and restaurant owners and, and all the things that you are already doing. I'm ready for you to incorporate cannabis into that. I'm ready for you to be friendly to cannabis. I'm ready for you to show up and, and leverage your voices for cannabis and specifically cannabis and black people in our communities. Um, Cause it's time, you know, we got all these people, all the fraternities and sororities and the links and the, we got all this power mm-hmm. and we show up for the causes. That's real. Cannabis is a real, real, real cause on every, like every level. Listen, if, if we had Mike Shanita, this one would drop it. For real, though, I just appreciate you. You, you give nah. it up so real. and That's real, though. You feel me from such a genuine place. You know, you could tell you, you've been through the BS and you don't want others to go through it. So that's real. Nah. And I'm happy to see y'all. I'm happy that we're here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. when nah, somebody nah. say, oh, I got somebody for you to meet, I'm always like, cool it could be it's gonna be something uh-huh. but you know this has been a long time coming and it's time for us to just put the pieces together mm-hmm. right, it's real. and listen it's conversations like this that's going to push that that mentality forward and really get people to understand their value their worth and really just impose their will in this industry you know what i'm saying right um, on. yeah you know you, you you mentioned taking up space and it, it's interesting I, I read something about you that said you were either planning or you may already have done it, but uh, to put together a, a fully operational cultivation and processing facility in PA. Did that. Oh, excuse me. All right, can you talk about that? <laughs> so after, so like, okay, so here's the thing. So I get into the game in Maryland and I go 0-2 in Maryland. Both clients, you know, submitted multiple applications. We got nothing, right? So I took all the lessons learned in Maryland, went to Pennsylvania, you know, picked up where, you know, I, I left off. Like, we need to see this. There needs to be some thought around diversity. There needs to be thoughts around, you know, patient access, social justice, all the things. I was talking that talk. I had MCBA behind me. I was ready to go when I got to Pennsylvania. Um, and it, it, it went differently there. You know, I, I partnered up with some with some guys, um, a couple lawyers, a doctor, um, and, and we put together an amazing application. I took one client uh, for, for cultivation and manufacturing. I took one client through the process for dispensary. And, you know, where I was 0-2 in Maryland, I was 2-0 in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, and the cultivation licenses were limited, 25. Wow. wow. Uh, they only awarded 12 when they made the announcement. So we had like, you know, one of the highest scores on the application, but purely from where we were situated in the state geographically, we couldn't be in that that first wave. So we sat back, we kept building because we built our cultivation um, facility from the ground up, cleared the land. So we kept building, 
This is this is money though. Like as I'm telling this story, all you should hear is like the the the, the bank, the the, the okay. cheating. Okay. This is just money. And the state of Pennsylvania is with is like on you know just like probably everywhere else. It's a hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. So you know my partners were, were were very well resourced and able to do the friendly fundraising. Like we didn't go pitching and and doing no. It was it was like hey we got this thing. It's gonna happen. You wanna you know get in with us. So this is what happens at that point. Now this big money comes in because we're not generating any revenue. We don't have the license yet, but these people know that we got a good thing going on, but they want more equity than equity, right? Then we should have been giving up. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. And who am I? I'm just one person in the group, right? And um, so yeah, it was a wild ride. We built out the facility, um, <laughs> COVID hit. And so, you know, people that were in it for the long haul quickly became interested in all that MA you know, activity that was happening in Pennsylvania. And so we had a successful exit last year. I'm so grateful and thankful for it because really and truly being able to go from advocating for for, for this becoming a law to then understanding what needed to be done in the application process and being successful to then, you know, the actual startup of this facility and a successful exit. There's been so many people that have gotten in this and couldn't make it to any of those points, right? Yeah. Or, or got there and then were, like I said, you know, moved out. You know, I'll tell you, they would have had to, to, to they, look, they, I was gonna make some noise if they did me dirty. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't have that problem, but I, I saw it happening, in a, a happening around me. And, you know, I really let people's work speak for them. I'm not out here bad-mouthing people. Do what you do, but, you know, everything comes to light. You know, one of the issues I had in Pennsylvania was, you know, these these companies that were like, oh, I want to hire a Black woman. I want the same thing I was talking about earlier, right? Coming to me, oh, Shanita, so I create this amazing diversity plan for you, community impact plan, and in the, the years that you're operational before you exit, you never implement that. You never do what you said you were going to do. And here's the thing. It ain't for me to talk about. It's for the state of Pennsylvania to handle. It's for the consumer market to say, you know what? We don't like what you bring into the community. Nothing. So we're going to support this other dispensary, this other manufacturer that does what they say they're going to do. And so that's the thing that we need, you know, before federal legalization. Because otherwise, these states are going to continue to do the stuff they do today. And, you know, you can throw some stuff together on an application, but you never have to live it. That ain't cool. The state of Pennsylvania out here giving out millions of dollars in grant money to some of the largest cannabis companies to bring them to Pennsylvania. And you still ain't made free medicine available to the low income people in your state. But you throwing money at a multi-million dollar corporation. Hell yeah. I ain't, that ain't gonna ever be cool, you know? So, so I'm going back to the first question you asked. And we gotta, you know, get in where we fit in, take advantage of these opportunities, um, but hold folks accountable while you're doing it. Don't sell your soul. Mm-hmm. No, that's real. I mean, it's crazy too. Like, <clears throat> I just want, to, I want everyone watching this to understand, like, the level of gems you're dropping right now. Okay? I'm out here. You out here. You out here. I want you to know that you out here. Mm-hmm. I talk about it. Listen, that that is why I'm here. 
everything I learned in that process in Pennsylvania, watching the watching it go down in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Listen, I ain't show up for a lot of the meetings because they wasn't they didn't want to hear from a black woman. I related to none of them. They don't it, listen. You play the game. Mm-hmm. But I watched that. And so it was so it was it was easy for me to come back and tell people like this is what you're gonna have to deal with in New Jersey, because it's just like Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. This is what you're gonna deal with in some parts of New York. This is what you're gonna deal with in Virginia. This is what we've seen play out in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you take all that and you bring it back. Every table I'm sitting at, every every gym that somebody else is dropping, I'm picking up. I really get it from my grandmother. She used to do the same thing, you know. Like she would work for these families, and she would she would hear a lot. She would hear the man talking about his business with his business partners, and she would come home and tell my grandfather, "Look, this is what we're gonna do. We gonna do it like this, and I'm gonna put my name on it because he would, you know, it's just that's what we're supposed to do." Nah, hundred percent. Nah, gr- grandma definitely passed the game down for sure, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, but 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 again, it's just, it's it's the it's the practical knowledge you're giving up, right? Going from one state where it didn't work, going to a state where it could work, going out, building the right team, getting the right investors. You know what I'm saying? And the biggest thing you said, successfully exit. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how much we're in we're in the early phase of an emerging market. Mm-hmm. You get in, hit a lick, and get out. And then go do the real shit. Do it again and do it with your team. Do it with your family. Come on. Like, you, like, like it, it, it's a thousand plays here. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I, I really appreciate you giving that up. Um, listen, I mean, you got your hands in so many different things. Like, what, what's next for Shanita Penny in 2021? Um, so, you know, what I'm really focused on is advising um, the Coalition for Cannabis Policy, Education, and Regulation. You know, this is an organization that represents the non-cannabis big companies, right? The, the, you know, everybody makes it out to be like this, this uh, monster, right? But what I know about some of these companies are the experiences that I've had, the experiences that they brought to HBCUs, the opportunities that they have, you know, uh, paid for Black entrepreneurs. One of my favorite stories when I first came into the space, it was it was like, you know, happening at this time was the acquisition of the Shea Moisture brand. You know, this is a you know, if, if you are a black woman, you know Shea Moisture. If you are a black man and you like your hair soft, you know Shea Moisture. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I always told the story of Unilever acquiring that company, but then also creating the New Voices Fund that, you know, really provided an opportunity for other business owners like um Rich Lou Dennis to, to 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 have that similar opportunity, and it's really done you know wonders for black consumers, right? Being able to go into a, a big box store and get your products, not having to hope they carry it in this store. Hope you know you gotta order it online. It it, it made our products accessible, right? When you start talking about diversity and inclusion it can't just be about what's happening in your corporate office it's the experience that consumers are having with your brand with your company in real life Mm -hmm. so that was one of my favorite stories and then you know more recently we've seen Miller uh, Molson Coors uh, get into this amazing partnership with a black owned brewery Mm -hmm. black owned brewery hires gang uh, members they got to work in the brewery together. So they're curbing, you know, violence. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. by creating real opportunity and not just workers. They coming in and these people can, you know, it, it's, it is it is a very, very good situation, right? Mm-hmm. When you're able to take somebody who said, you know what, I'm going to get this brewery going. I'm going to teach these brothers how to, how to, how to, you know, craft brew. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a business in our community. Oh, now we just got, you know, this multi-million dollar investment. So we about to, now we about to scale up. Mm-hmm. Now we leveling up. 100%. Now we affecting more people. Uh-huh. You know, you got um, Lafitte Rosé, the black owned Rosé. Everybody been popping this bottle all summer. This uh-huh. brother is the only black man to own a Rosé province in France. You can't call your 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 champagne champagne if it don't come from Champagne, France. Like this brother is doing things that haven't been done before in partnership with these big companies that everybody's so upset with. So you know, I'm not saying they're right, and I'm not saying they're always right. I'm saying let's work together. Be in a position where them doing the right thing by us, look, helps everybody. So what I'm focusing on is really federal policy. These folks are saying, let's bring together experts, voices, all the stakeholders. So in addition to those large companies and the coalition, um, there's a Center for Excellence. And I'm a member of the Center of Excellence. We have amazing scientists, researchers, medical doctors, um, you know, folks that are, are looking at public safety, public health with a lens on racial equity, just generally in all their work. So we're not in there trying to convince nobody to make sure you think about the black folks. No, we got people that have been doing this work that want to see this done right and that want to lend their expertise to whatever it is, substance abuse, youth use, um, you know, drugs and impaired driving, like all this data and science that Congress wants so they can feel good about legalizing, it's gotta come from somewhere. Yep. And it's gotta be, and this message has to be tightened up, right? This 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 work I'm doing can't be in a silo. 100%. I gotta be able to, to, to convey a message that when these folks go and, and sit on the on the floor and vote, they, they feel good about it. That their constituents are being served, right? So if it's a farmer in in, in rural in Mississippi, mm-hmm. right? Or it's a, a farmer in the Emerald Triangle, mm-hmm. or it's a distributor who is on the East Coast <laughs> that's been getting it, and now we want to see him really get it. Mm-hmm. Like we <laughs> we gotta make it make sense for everybody. And so I just released a paper through the Center of Excellence. Um, it's about small and minority businesses in the cannabis space. So we talking about making sure that we strengthen black banks. Because again, we can't be talking about cannabis like it's this thing over here that you can get with it or not get with it. No, if we're going to really address the issues in our community, we need some cash. Yeah. We need a new industry that we can actually get and have some ownership in. Mm-hmm. We need tax money going to reconcile these communities that we have finally gotten them to admit that they fucked up. Yeah. Intentionally. And that if we weren't talking about cannabis, they wouldn't even be trying to fix them. Mm-hmm. Until last year, right? All the focus on racial equity. So now, how do we make sure that cannabis is a part of every conversation? If we talk about putting money in black banks, let's talk about how that affects the cannabis industry and how we leverage that for the cannabis industry. 
right? We about to open up banking with the Safe Banking Act. We ain't talk about that yet, but let's talk about it, right? They like, oh, don't do safe banking. Cory Booker said it. Let's not do safe banking. Let's do the comprehensive piece. Make sure we take care of black people. Well, well, here's the thing. Let's put that language in that bill then. That's right. And, and let's take it a step further. And let's make sure that all this cash, because this is so much cash these businesses are generating, right? Let's make sure that some of that money is being deposited in black banks, mm-hmm. in the banks in our community. Because if we don't have money in those banks, guess what? Those other businesses in our community that need money don't have a community bank. Exactly. Don't have funds. Exactly. So we need to be thoughtful and, and we need to be collaborative in, in this work that we're doing. Otherwise, we're going to wake up and be like, damn, I, I never got a chance. I, I never stood a chance. Mm-hmm. But we don't want that. We don't want that. We want folks to get in. We want people to hold on. We want people to bust a move if that's what it should be at that particular moment. Um, we, we want people to move around and, and, and get it on every level. Listen, I mean, man, you, you blowing me away, Shanita. I'm be real. Like, you really are. Um, I think I speak for my brother and myself when I say, you got two advocates right here. You know what I mean? We're we going to support you in any way, shape, or form. Right. Um, I mean, everything you're saying is spot on what's needed, what's necessary, and honestly, what's imminent. Okay? Because we're going to do this shit. Yes. Um, listen, we always end this show on a, on a high note, literally. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I got to ask, I got to ask, what's your favorite strain of all time? Ooh. And why? Of all time? All time. All right. All time? All time. <laughs> All right, so this is funny because, you know, I say before five, six years ago, you know, my weed man will just tell me anything. Oh, this, that, 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 So I used to always be like, the same thing from last week or you got something new. Because I want to know how it's going to hit, right? Uh-huh. So for a while, he kept telling me I was getting cookies. Okay. Right? So I'm thinking I'm getting these cookies. I'm like, yeah, cookies is my, is my jam. That's my thing. <laughs> so then I get out to Colorado. I mean, I'm in Cali. I'm getting, I'm getting the cookies now. I know what I'm getting. Oh, what was I smoking? Guess what he said, y'all. Guess what he said, though, y'all. Blue dream, blue dream, blue dream. So here's the crazy thing. <laughs> Once I was getting green from the dispensary and I'm doing my research and learning about this plant, I realized that Blue Dream is really good for migraines. Uh And I suffer from migraines occasionally. So I think it was just kind of a ha-ha, like, like God always take care of me, he'll play by me. I thought I was, it was all that. But I really do love cookies. I love all of the wedding cake and just all of the variations of that. Um, and right now, what I'm smoking on um, has been a favorite for a good little while is the Skittles. Okay, okay. Sure. You more of a sativa or indica girl? Ah, I st- I don't think it's I don't think it's that for me, right? It's a it's very much a what mood am I in? What do I have to do? Because I, I I like to smoke, like I like to blaze, I like to keep a nice continuous. You know, we we focusing, we we, we locking in, or we kind of kick it back, let it do. Um, so I just I just like to to be on whatever I'm on. Uh huh. 
and I, and I need it all. There you, you know what I'm saying? It, it variety, variety. You got Medicaid properly, right? You know me. Oh yeah, if you if, if you gonna do it, if you gonna do it. Nah, that's real. Well, listen, we we appreciate you so much. Before we get out of here, mm-hmm. you, you dropped so many gems. How can people get in touch with you? What's your social media? All that. Shanita Penny underscore on uh, Instagram at Budding Solutions on Instagram and and LinkedIn and Facebook and you know kind of whatever it's about. You know, it kind of falls into one of those places. You you can find me. Um, and then my website BuddingSolutions.net. Real, listen, y'all. There you have it. I mean, I, I just want to thank the whole 420 NJ Events family for tuning in, kicking it with us. Um, make sure you got your notifications on. Subscribe to the channel. We want to obviously thank our sponsor, Hemper. Make sure you check them out at hemper.co. That's hemper.co. Um, this has been another episode of the Higher Learning with 420 NJ Events podcast. Medicaid responsibly. Let's go.